this week. Above 4,000 again. Yeah, psychologically, that's important. Uh, there's a lot of things important about that. Um, we like round numbers. Round numbers are nice because, well, I don't really understand why, and I don't, I don't think anybody else does either, but we all no, agree no, no, they're very nice. It's, it's important. They don't have sharp edges that stick you. Ah, ah, there it is. But they're very nice, and so we all agree right, psychologically they're, they're nice. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, where we will talk to you about such things as the... Filling up walls with English dead. Yes, and inverted yield curves, and the slaughtering and crushing impact of a 2% decline in the housing market. (laughs) Things like that, you know. Very, very, very exciting statistical economic things that cause all eight-year-olds to quickly leave the room. It's true. And 80-year-olds, too. 100% success in all of my anecdotal testing of that, by the way. As soon as I go into my spiel, this is something when my uh, children are visiting elsewhere and they request to hear dad, daddy on the radio, um, they turn on the radio they hear me talking for about five seconds and they say, okay, turn it off. <laughs> so they love me, but they don't want to hear this. I don't know right. why. I mean, it's, this is fascinating and riveting conversation. doesn't have to do with dragons, um, except as a national symbol of China occasionally. There, there are no rescue rangers or ducks swimming in gold coins, though there's connotations to all of that across what we talk about. So... Um, here's to our efforts to increase the interest in our conversation in eight-year-olds. We're asking the Fed to raise that interest rate for us. Um, they seem to have a difficulty on their end as well. So this is the personal wealth coach. And I should have given you a disclosure before we started with that inanity is that we are quite inane. Uh, we are bald, bearded, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, occasionally gentlemen, though, uh, we may not represent it at any given moment. Uh, we uh, let's see what other disclosures do we have we like puns a lot um and the name of this program and the name of our firm it's the same name the personal wealth coach that firm is registered with the sec to give fiduciary investment advice that's in the best interest of the client um but we can't do that on the air because we don't know you guys or at least some of you we don't know the one of you over there, that one, yep, we don't know you, but, oh, nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Uh, but we can't give advice on the air even if we did know you all because it wouldn't be very private, and it's very hard to customize the advice to each and every one of you when radio is a very one-size-fits-all. So what are we doing instead of advice? Education, hopefully, or re-education, if you prefer. <laughs> uh, there's a camp for that, but we... Recommend, it's an economics re-education camp where we teach you to hit rocks with hammers uh, to understand the value of work. Um, And uh, we are uh, taking licensing fees from all governmental authorities. Thank you. Very economical. Uh, Let's see, next disclosure. By the way, that was facetious. We don't operate any re-education camps anywhere on the continental or uh, territory of the United States, just or elsewhere either. Good disclosure to have. 
I think everybody should have that in their program. Uh, we don't pay for this radio program. <laughs> We're obviously not paid either. Who'd pay us? <laughs> Who am I? Um, we have been doing this as volunteer. We do get benefit from it in that people occasionally call our firm based on it. But the reality is that we've been giving up our Saturday mornings for me now 25 years. 25 years I have been giving up my Saturday mornings so that I can mumble onto a foam ball, hopefully educating some people and possibly confusing the fire out of everybody else. Um, you've been doing this for 27 years, so two extra years longer. That, that's old Baldy, by the way. Older Baldy is Jeff. Younger Baldy is Jake. Older Baldy is the father of younger Baldy. And if you can figure out that logic puzzle that gave you all of the answers, then you get applause. Um, let's see. We don't pay for the program. Oh, just because we're registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC likes us. They're not paid to like people. They don't do that. So they haven't given us any kind of thumbs up, thumbs down. They just accepted our registration and said, mm, very nice and stamped it with stamps and wait whatever, a minute, wait a whatever minute, wait else a they do with the SEC. They did not say very nice. They, they said, pay us some money. They did. They said, pay us some money and make sure that you have filled out this entire form and that's, that is our relationship with them. Hopefully we keep it that way because the bad part of the relationship with them would be, you didn't do this right. And we don't like that side. So uh, uh, you have a disclosure that you wish to give though. Well, it's just a little one. If you deem the it information, so. The information that we provide on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. We will actively guarantee and warranty that all information that we do not say or speak or write is incomplete. Money back guarantee. All right. So what happened this week in the market? Well, it went up. Oh, that's very nice. Okay. Uh, what happened this week in the weather? Well, there was rain some places and there was no rain other places. We, we had some. Yes. The S&P 500 stock index is the indicator we choose to use because, very frankly, the Dow Jones Industrial 30, which is considerably more popular, um, is only 30 stocks. And they, sometimes the broad market goes one way and the Dow Jones Industrial Average goes the other. So we go with the S&P 500 stock index. It's the oldest. Uh, there's actually better indices. But o oldest, the one that's oldest of what? Of all of the indices that that purport to stock, to stack, to, stack, to stretch, to, to whatever. To, to follow the stock market, to indicate what the stock market is doing. The longest run of data Aha. that is considered to be, it wasn't 500 stocks when it started, but the right. longest run of continuous data that's been compiled is in the S&P 500 stock. Now, okay. to, wait, let me clarify that really quick. S&P didn't exist yet. Dow Jones Company existed well before S&P, but the data mm -hmm. at the S&P goes back farther. So right. which one is older? Hmm. Retroactively, yes. the S&P, but it wasn't born until well after Dow Jones. So that's, how's that for confusing like an eco-babble? Right. But it, yeah, anyway, that's the one we use. Uh, one of two that we use. Anyway, it, it has been going down for a couple of weeks. A lot of people have understand that it's been declining in value. It rose 1.9% to 4,045.64 this week. Above 4,000 again. Yeah, psychologically, that's important. Uh, there's a lot of things important about that. Um, we like round numbers. Round numbers are nice because, well, I don't really understand why, and I don't, I don't think anybody else does either, but we all no, agree no, no, they're no. very nice. 
it's it's important they don't have sharp edges that stick you. Ah, ah, there it is. But they're very nice, and so we all agree right, psychologically they're, they're nice. Okay. Anyway, uh, we now have uh, a gain so far this year in the S&P 500 of 5.38%, and it's up of almost 13% from last October 12th. It's down 15.6 from its high at the beginning of last year. Longer term, and this is the end of this reporting in, in the three-year reporting for a while, and I'll explain why. The Standard Poor's 500 stock index has risen 33.6% from three years ago. That's like a almost 10% rate of return. That is about a 10% rate of return, uh, which is unusually high historically. Why am I going to stop presenting that? Because we also, I also routinely record and present how far the S&P 500 has come since March of 2020, which was three years ago. Uh, about the middle of March of 2020, the, since then, uh, the S&P 500 has risen 81%. And the reason, the reason I like that number and I like to report on that is the fact that there was a significant bear market and a lot of people wanted to bail out of the bear market three years ago. A lot of people uh, did. As That's the what, pandemic hit. Where a lot of a lot people of actually people. did. That's why it was a bear market. The mar- yeah, prices they, went down because people were selling. So the issue is that the if you stayed invested, and I'm not sure where you were invested, but we use the S&P 500 index as a, as a benchmark. You, if, if The S&P 500 rose 81%. So you would say if in three years you can get an 81% gain out of a broadly diversified set of stocks, you must be a genius. And all you had to do to get that was not bail out of the market at the bottom of that bear market. Yeah. To basically have faith when there was no way you could have known that the United States would somehow weather the storm of this pandemic and that the world would not crumble into a pile of dust. Wait a minute. I guess that's what the world is. A big ball well, a lot of people anyway, obviously thought we weren't going to weather it because they bailed out. Yeah. Well, maybe they weren't thinking. Maybe they felt we weren't going to weather it. Well, so they were anyway, scared. Yeah. And 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 the the bottom of the bear market that we went through last year was we're about was actually back in June, and I probably need to get some data from that, data from that. But the issue is things are a lot better than they have been, and if you read the paper, you'll find out they're a lot worse than they could be. Or if you follow the Wall Street Journal or anything else. Anyway, that's where. Anyway, the so a bunch of the and and again, it's it's a matter of perspective. If you are a long term investor, the market is up and up substantially over the last three years. It's up substantially over the last ten years, the last five years. You take any long term period if you're a long term investor, and the S and P five hundred is up substantially, and it has nice gains, and it would be really hard to find better gains anywhere. As a matter of fact, the further back you look, the longer you're in the harder it is to find someplace you could have invested your money that would have done better. And that's it's something if you're a long-term investor to keep your eye on. We'll talk a little more. I want to talk a little more about that later, about the downside to that issue. And I think it's really important to recognize the downside to that issue because it is going to come back to roost. So anyway, we also follow the uh, CRSP US mid-cap value index. Why? Because mid-cap value behaves differently than the large-cap growth that drives the S&P 500. So we follow it. It rose 0.93%, which doesn't sound like much. For the week, it's now 2443.63. It's up 4.42% this year. So it's up less than the S&P 500. We should probably avoid that. But here's the thing. The S&P 500 
is still down 15.6% from its high last year. The CRSP US mid cap value index is down 5.92% from its high last year. That's one of those things to bear in mind. Anyway, that's both of them were at all time highs at the beginning of last year. The 10 year US Treasury, we follow that very carefully, and it has been, it's normally very boring. Uh, it's not boring. It's not been, well, it's not boring to us. We see a difference well, between this time last month of what, 3.4%? To this time this month of uh, almost four percent. So yeah, it actually it actually bumped through four percent on Wednesday and going into Thursday before yeah. it slid back a lot to three point nine six. Three point nine six. Why do we find that exciting? Why are we so excited uh, about this massive jump in interest rate? Massive. It's it's not even a full point. Why are people so excited about this? What's going on? Well, it, it it's 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 one hundred twenty two percent higher than it was a year ago. Yes. That's why we're excited about it. That's a big, big deal. <laughs> huge rise in interest rates over the last year. Um, Morningstar's long-term bond index is down about 20-some, 23 24% right now. Uh, the Bloomberg um, bond, all bond index is down about 20% from in the last 12 months. And what you're going to um, find, the 12-month numbers here are going to line up in, in uh, just a few days to be something staggeringly crazy because March 16th of last year was the, the date that the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. And they only raised it a quarter point at the beginning. And then a couple of months later, half a point. And then a month later, three quarters of a point. And then a month later, three quarters of a point. So you're going to see some interesting figures coming out over the following months as we see really, really bad results in the bond market, just because it's been a year since the bad results started. Well, I think one of the things, well, I want to talk about that too. There, there's some as aspects of the bond market and the stock market that need to be talked about in the main part of the show, but let's move on with what the market has done short term. Um, the, the treasury yield curve is certainly the most inverted I have ever seen it but I've only been at this about 40 years uh, professionally and about another 10 years before that as an investor. Yeah. So I've only been looking at it about half a century, but in Pocket half change. century, I have been watching this. I have never seen the treasury yield curve this inverted and I can't find any records where it ever has been this inverted. What does that mean? Well, traditionally the treasury yield curve being inverted means a recession is coming. However, it might not this time, which is really goofy. Uh, one of the things I have tried to avoid to avoid saying for decades is it's different this time. Well, I'm going to say it. Yeah. It's different this time. And Everything is different this time. Not There's one, one major thing that's not different. And this is the thing that usually makes us hit the big alarm button when, some, when someone says it's different this time. Human behavior is not changed. Mm -hmm. A lot of the external factors that are hitting us are different, like the temperature indicator or the pressure indicator, all of those things can have different reasons for being up or down. How we react to them is the predictable nature of what we're talking about. So we haven't seen an inverted yield curve like this ever. There's nothing in history that shows it. Does it mean that there's never been a time that people thought that it was safer longer term than shorter term? No, but we just don't have good records of any of it. So what we do is we study human behavior. And I'm going to hand it back to you because it is different this time. But I would remind everyone, the reality is it's different every time. You have to find the similarities. 
It is different this time in that we have a lot of stuff going on that hasn't happened before. Back to you. Well, anyway, so the T-bill is in it, the, the T-bill. The, the United States 10-year Treasury note. Not the bill. It's technically a note. The bill is one year and shorter. Um, the bond is longer than 10 years. The It, it rose above 4% midweek and ended at 396 almost exactly where it was a week ago and very much where it has been since last November. There's a lot of noise in the financial media about interest rates rising and falling and carrying on and really getting excited about it. In fact, I have noticed that the interest rates out there are actually amazingly stable. What the noise is actually about at this point is far more the fact that the interest rates across whatever maturity are behaving differently than the pundits have been expecting them to behave. They're behaving very rationally. The interest rates are. The pundits don't like it. The bond companies don't like it. And there is a bit of a panic going on out there in among major bond market holders of lots of bonds. And they are doing their best at this point, I should warn you, to get you to buy bonds. Why are they very doing their very best to get you to buy bonds? Because they want to sell their bonds. Why do they want to sell their bonds? Well, frankly, it looks like the Federal Reserve Chairman, Mr. Powell, has been telling the truth. Interest rates are going to be higher longer than the market expects. It's not my opinion. That's what he said. And the fact is, everything we're seeing in the bond market right now suggests that while short-term rates may, after a year or so, come down a little, it is the intermediate, the middle and long-term rates that will rise to make us back, to take us back to a positively sloped yield curve with longer rates being higher than shorter rates. That's the reverse right now. Shorter rates six months to a year or 5%, 10 years, it's below 4%. You get out to uh, 30 years and it's down in the threes. Um, we have an upside down yield curve. And what's going to happen to make it not upside down? It looks more and more like, yes, short-term rates will come down a little. The bond market seems to be firmly of the opinion collectively. It's not that it has a personal opinion. It is the collective wisdom of people buying and selling. In or, or lack of wisdom. It's all the same right. thing. Um, that interest rates are, short-term interest rates are going to go up above 5%. They'll probably come back down to a little bit lower level, maybe 4%, maybe upper threes. But the mid range interest rates, the 10 years, the 15 years, the 20 years, the 30 years have still got a lot of rising to do to bring us into a normal, positively sloped yield curve. This has huge implications for lots of things. And we can talk about that at length. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we need to, we need to do that. But anyway, let's West Texas intermediate crude oil jumped a whopping 4.5%. To $79.86 per barrel, which sounds like big news. It isn't because the price of West Texas Intermediate Crude, again, has remained within a narrow trading range since November. Why is it so high? Well, it's largely because we're selling a record quantity of oil to Europe. We have become, we are gradually in the process of displacing Russia and Saudi Arabia as the world's biggest exporters of oil. Wow. Yeah, who would have thought that? Well, that it, is a big deal. It kind of is how it started, way way back. But yeah, uh, so th it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, is that is, 
Phenomenomena. Um, uh, is that it for the market? I thought in the middle of hearing about what happened in the market that it'd be nice to, to insert a very small bit of history as absolutely useless trivia uh, for when you need it because people need useless trivia quite often. The difference between bills, notes, and bonds. What in the world are we talking about here? What is that? This is old school stuff from times when people were illiterate um, and they're bank terms. So if you bought something on credit, say you're a business and you're buying, I don't know, peanut oil. It doesn't really matter what you're buying. It would have predated peanut oil because that's a North American thing. Uh, you're buying barley and uh, you're taking it to the mill and making flour and then you're selling it to a bakery. But uh, you're buying it on store credit with the farmers or on credit with the farmers. And the farmers just say, okay, I'll bill you on that. Well, that means you don't need a big contract. You don't have to write it all down. They just send you a, a bill every month for maybe two years on it. And that's why bills go up to two years. A note would be something where they go, oh, this is, this is a little longer than I should normally bill you at. Let's write down on this. Get, get that guy over there that knows how to read and write to write down on this paper here that you owe me this money and we're going to pay it out over a period of time. And they go, okay, okay. So that's a note. It's just two people signed it. It's not very official. It's just there. And then there's a bond. And a bond is a long-term thing and it usually was done in some noble person's court, maybe even a tennis court, literally. And there was some kind of a wax on there with a seal, and it was a bond, which meant that figuratively you were chained to this document under penalty of great and mighty retribution from the law. So those terms still kind of have it. My word is my bond. You don't have to go and get this big legal document with wax all over it. It's my word is my bond. It's the same as that. Uh, so we still kind of have that understanding on it. When we're talking about long the bond market, that's what we're talking about. These, I will just bill you for that. It's just short term. Okay, this is a little bit longer. We'll write a note here that you have that. Now, do people actually write notes or bills or bonds anymore? No, it's all under the same contract. You agree to be paid back. It's issued with it's the bond if it were in paper form. Uh, you get it in electronic form now saying, yeah, we agree to pay you over this period of time. So in essence, all of these things are bonds now under the old definition, but we don't call them that because we try to make it as confusing as possible for those of you that aren't involved in this very intricate market that used to be done by people that were illiterate. <clears throat> and now that we're literate, we're no more um, ignorant or unignorant than we were before. Now back to you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what else is going on in the world? Oh, man. Uh, you mentioned this already, but this is a big deal. The United States is pumping out a lot of gas for the rest of the world right now. Gas, and oil, oil and natural oil. gas, refined, unrefined. Uh, it, is, it is fantastical, actually. Um, I talked about this last year in April when I went down to the Gulf Coast and watched the uh, liquid natural gas ships heading in and out of the port in Corpus Christi. And the wake from those ships going back and forth didn't stop. It was just constant as they were heading in and heading out. And I could look out to the ocean and see a line of ships 
waiting to come into port. And there was a constant flow in and out. And I was thinking, man, that's a lot of traffic. It's just massive amounts of traffic. This is right after the invasion, a couple months after the invasion of Ukraine by the Russians. And the Europeans were saying, we are stuck to Russia and we need to get unstuck. Now, leap forward to today. It's only a year later. It's not quite even a year later. And the United States is moving up its production, moving up its shipping. Europe is bringing in a huge amount of liquid natural gas, of gasoline, and of unrefined products that they're making new refineries for. Uh, Germany's in the process of setting up three liquid liquid natural gas ports, which just as a side note, I was very excited about six years ago on the air when the United States said that it was going to start setting up new liquid natural gas. We had laws that said that we couldn't export because we weren't energy independent yet. We've passed those laws to say we could start the export process and set up these ports of our own to send them out. But the ones just around Houston and Corpus Christi are still by far the most by volume. And when we're looking up at where the world has changed, this is one of the major ones. At the same time, shipments of grain from the Midwest to Europe and to Africa of all the strange places are at a level that is just off the charts. We're, we're selling grain far faster than we have for decades. And that's huge uh, to, to look up and see that going on at the same time that we're spending money on manufacturing batteries, manufacturing automobiles and chips, and bringing the processing of that back to the United States. This is what people have been asking for in the United States for decades. But if you look at the opinion pages of almost every newspaper that has asked for this, both including the government spending on stimulating it and the loosing up of, of controls on how it's done, you really just see the complaints about, hey, it's not being done enough or fast enough instead of a recognition of this is what people have been asking for for decades. We finally got to an energy independent state. We've been at a food independent state for a long, long time. And now we're becoming a powerhouse in electronic manufacturing again by becoming, I mean, those things aren't online yet, but we're about to have the same capacity for chip manufacturing as they have in Taiwan, which I, you say, wait, that's just a city state. What's, what is that about? They're the number one producers of chips on the planet. And we are spending enough money now that we will be there. We're going to pass them. Some of the chips that we're manufacturing in the United States are going to be by companies that are from Taiwan, but we're about to be getting up to the point where we are the number one chip manufacturer on the planet. That's a big deal. So when people ask us why we're so optimistic in the middle of all of us, you know, waffling back and forth on whether or not we're going to have a recession or we look at if we're having a recession, it's going to be a mild one. If we're not, it's going to be a mild not. Um, we're going to have more interest rate issues and it's definitely going to bring down some of the way overpriced items out there. Cars, houses, tech stocks. Is that a recession? Probably not. But if you're in those areas, you're already experiencing a recession. 
if you're in house sales or car sales, used car sales, sales, mortgage sales, you're already in a recession. If you're in a tech company, you're already in a recession. Those of us that aren't in that are saying, oh, no, the, the economy's not in a recession. It's all good. If you're in that group, you're in a recession. And that's something we have to remind people we talk about in economics. We talk about in aggregate or on average or the mean. The reality is the real definition between a recession and a depression and a recession, somebody else lost their job and a depression, you lost yours. And if most people are not in danger of losing their jobs, they say we're not in a recession. But if you did lose your job, you're in a recession. It's just not across the entirety. Averages are really, really hard to follow. And we've got overall growth, but there's certainly sectors of the economy that are feeling it. The housing market is getting hurt. And if you're in housing sales, you're really getting hurt. And if you're housing mortgages, you're really getting hurt. If you're selling used cars, it's painful. If you're selling loans on used cars or loans on new cars, it's painful. There's now finally enough dealer inventory at the car lots and people aren't buying cars. <laughs> so expect prices to come down. And we're about out of time. Do you want to do a quick wrap up for 50 seconds before we tell them how to contact us? Well, the economy is rolling along very nicely, probably more so than the Fed would like. The services area is growing. Manufacturing is shrinking slightly. But overall, the economy is growing. It looks pretty healthy from here, despite all the tea leaves that say is not so. The market was up for the week. It's up for the year. We're cruising along and everything actually looks pretty good, which is not going to sell a lot of clicks. Yeah. So we're out of time. If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give custom investment advice at a fiduciary level, which we, means that we do it in the client's best interest and put our interests way at the rear and then tell you what they are. Full disclosure is important. Um, we do this for relatively high net worth people, advice and management of portfolios. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, there's voicemail waiting during the weekend, real live people during the week, locally at 254-947-1111. Or toll free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, read our newsletter going back quite a ways. You can uh, listen to our radio programs going back quite a ways. You can also find bite-sized pieces, podcasts out there, wherever you find podcasts. On the webpage, you can contact us through the contact form or email us directly, and we read them at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. Thank you very much for listening. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. We appreciate you guys.